Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and riding shotgun with me for this podcast, why, it's the Barney to my Andy, the Oki Fine to my Jim Dandy. It's Brian. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Good, Scott. How you doing? Well, I've had a kind of rough run, rough run of health luck as of late, just getting over some pink eye, so... I thought, I, I thought only kid, little kids get pink eye. Then I realized, wait, I had in 2018, so shut up, Scott. <laughs> it's like the lie they tell you when you're a kid that you stop getting acne when you get old, and guess what? Yeah, that's not true. It's weird when that sometimes does happen, and it still does happen, Which, especially when you have skin that's otherwise as beautiful as mine, but then that still happens. I keep thinking, well, this is the price you pay for having very youthful skin. You also have the issues of youthful skin, you know? So let's, let, let's, what is it called? Let's shoot the mirror tonight. Anyway, so, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about this disgusting <laughs> facial, lack of facial cleanliness. We're here to chat about the first half of a limited series season that kind of feels like a gift to fans like me and Brian, fans of a certain Marshall Raylan Givens. And that show that we're going to be talking about is Justified City Primeval. Um, we've been hearing about this for at least the last year plus. I can't remember how long ago we heard the first announcement about it. But safe to say we were all excited about it, especially when you have a character like a Raylan Givens where, okay... You could definitely do another season of stuff with this character because that the nature of that show kind of lends itself to that. And we, I think, although we might not have known much about what the series was, we knew it wasn't going to be in Harlan again. So we were, it was going to probably be just that one character surrounded by a different supporting cast, unless we, unless we got lucky and got some, someone to make a cameo or something. But um, I think we were both kind of uh, been looking forward to this. And I also believe that when we first heard about it, we were like, okay, when that comes out, we're going to have to do at least one, if not more, podcasts about it. Absolutely. So um, I'll do a, a mini little background thing here, and I'll give it my own personal stamp, which will, you know, delight some listeners and annoy the rest. Well, who cares? So... <laughs> Many, if not most, fans of the Justified series that ran, uh, I guess it ran from 2010 to 2016, most of y'all are aware that the show was inspired by and adapted from stories uh, about Raylan Givens that were written by the, I would say, near-legendary author Elmore Leonard, particularly the story Fire in the Hole, which is the one that really focused on the whole Raylan Givens-Boyd-Crowder relationship conflict and so on. Now, this series, City Primeval, it's also taken largely from an Elmore Leonard novel, which was uh, City Primeval High Noon in Detroit. The big catch here is that was not a Raylan Givens novel. So what they did, they essentially replaced the main protagonist from that book, which was uh, Raymond Cruz, whose name and character has actually been referenced in one episode of the current series that we saw in a, I guess I would call it a flashback or semi-flashback. But, but just when you see the credit 
that you see at the end of every episode that says the series is based on both the city primeval and fire in the hole. Really what they're saying is it's based on city primeval, but we've taken a character from fire in a hole and basically plopped him into Detroit to replace the original hero of, of that yarn. And just to make it, you know, just to make it about Scott, I have a personal affection for all this because uh, in my own personal life, my earlier writings, uh, more than a few people compared, and, and, they're, and they're, they're talking about one specific script, I, which was my first one, they compared my writing style a lot to Elmore Leonard. Not saying I'm Elmore Leonard, that's not what I'm saying, but just, it was just in that same kind of vein, I guess. Um, I took it as a huge comment. I never, at that time, I never read an Elmore Leonard novel, but I had certainly seen Get Shorty a million times, and that alone, you know, kind of made me get, get excited about it. So it's funny that this is that this show ha- is happening now because also um, maybe a few weeks before it started, I dusted off that first script I ever wrote with the intention of rewriting it, kind of revamping it, rewriting it, and figuring I've got 10, 12 years worth of experience and lessons to really make it into something great and do something with it. So I've been when I found when I found time I've been working on it here and there. So I'm what and then I'm watching City Primeval and I I kid you not there's an there's a one of the I don't what I call him the main antagonist I get I he's sort of the main antagonist in my screenplay he bears a really eerie resemblance to the antagonist in City Primeval about the way the character, everything from the way the character is described to the way he goes about certain things. Enough so that I'm actually going to go back to the script and I might make some changes so it doesn't look like that. Even though, I mean, I have, I have a copyright on this that, that goes back to like 2010 or 11. It's one of the only ones I actually, it's, it's in the Library of Congress, man. Um, <laughs> so I'm safe on that one. But it just, I just thought it was fun. It's like, oh, that my Max is very much like that Clement. Huh? Interesting. Anyway, let, let's get to what people actually want to hear us talk about, which is the show itself. Um, so I, I think we can agree that we, we, we like what we've seen so far. I think it's safe to say, correct? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. Now, based on the structure of this series... And I would say perhaps even more so than the original series. Um, this doesn't feel like it's going to be something that's going to have like necessarily um, standout episodes as much as just a, you know, it's just a purely continuing drama that's like, you know, chapter by chapter. It as not as much as it being about episodes that stand alone. You know, obviously the, the, you, you'll probably have episodes where something really climactic happens, which will often be the separator. Um, it's kind of like the wire, you know, the way the wire was constructed, generally speaking, specific episodes didn't stand out unless they were about a specific scene or death rather than an overall episode. So, which is a, you know, like when, we, and it's funny, I mentioned this, and I'm talking to you, because when I did the greatest TV episodes of all time, we did a Justified episode, mm-hmm. but it was a season finale, you know, which, you know, everything, you know, built up to that, so that's why that episode kind of stands out. And we also did a Wire episode, but that was because they, the whole episode was really focused on the execution of Stringer Bell, so that's why those stand out, but, you know, but if you said, give me a list of the, your 10 favorite Justified episodes, I'd be like, oh. 
<laughs> I, I might have a problem doing it other than finales or something like that. And I might have the same issue with the wire as well. So. Right. But, but I think, uh, the way that this, the way this show started and the way it looks like it's going, it is going to be like, you know, season two of the wire where it's some of the same characters, but it's a reboot of a story. That's a whole self-contained story that runs through a season. Um, and there are references to the past and, you know, things to move in and out of it, but it's not a continuation of where we left off. It's, it's its own thing. Oh yeah. It, it's so it, it's, it's, it's almost as self-enclosed as you can get compared to any, which is probably, I think that's why they made it justified, you know, Cohen city primeval rather than just, right. Oh, we're coming back for another, we're bringing justified back because it really is separate from that. Um, it also, also too, because apparently it takes place, you know, in 2030 or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, that, okay. Really, really. I went online. Like 2026, they, but they, they, mm, the show ended the show. Well, actually it's actually, it should be worse. All right. I, I don't know if people know what I'm talking about, so I'll make it clear here. So as I mentioned moments ago, justified ended in 2016. Right, and justified with a show that seemed to be taking place in present day. Um, when if you watch the final episode of Justified um, back in two thousand again sixteen, there's a time jump in that. It's like a few years. I might be five years later, a few something like that. And then you know, five years later, we see uh, Raylan, you know, hanging out with his little daughter. And Brian and I spoke about this days ago, whatever. The, the the child, if she's older than seven, I'd be shocked. You, you, we're pushing it. If she's older than seven, I don't think she is. But it doesn't matter. Because anyway, I think it's five years later. <laughs> which makes that <laughs> 2021. Or maybe it's three years, but whatever it is. But I went online and I was looking up stuff about this. This is supposed to take place 15 years later. Now, I'm guessing maybe it's including that time jump. So maybe it's only a 10 years on top of that, which then would make sense. She's a teenager. She looks like she's like 15, 16. That girl is five or six. Okay, that's fine. But that means it has to be 2031. <laughs> so, so, so I was looking for the flying cars. I saw none. <laughs> Well, perhaps, you know, perhaps somewhere on the road between Harlan and or Miami and Detroit, Raylan Gibbons passed through an interstellar universe where, you know, a, a couple of moments uh, of time equated to 10 years in in our time. So you did not just reference the movie Interstellar on my podcast, did you, Brian? You didn't do that, right? You didn't do that, right? Okay. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about, okay, Scott. Because, okay, you know, I, I I love Christopher Nolan, but that's the one movie that... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to Justified. I don't want to get into that. I hate that movie. Maybe I'll watch it again. Maybe I'll change my mind about it. I'm not going to change my mind. All right. 
you know, there are things I like in it. It's not like it's a horrible movie for me. It's just, but there's too many dumb things that just make me so angry. Anyway, so back to <laughs> Justified City. I was not expecting that. That was a curve. <laughs> you could have just went with some sort of wormhole thing. You know, so many ways to go. <laughs> All right, so let's get, so we're going to talk about the first half of the season, which is the first four episodes. So the, the thing I've noticed about the show, and, and mainly about the setup, and, you know, whether it's good or bad, I'll leave it to, you know, not to Brian and as well as the listeners to decide. It feels to me like many things here are based on chance and coincidence. I mean, look at it this way. The, the, the series starts off, Raylan and his daughter are on the road. And, you know, then that car randomly pulls up to them to attempt a carjacking. And due to the dude's priors and so on, one of the carjackers has to go back to Detroit to stand trial. And, of course, that means Raylan has to go there as well, with his daughter, apparently. Because his luck was habit, this is also the time he's supposed to be trying to rebond with her and so. And the lawyer who's defending the guy just so happens to be the reluctant lawyer of the eventual antagonist of the series, the uh, the aforementioned Clement that we mentioned before. And the judge is presiding over the case. He just so happens to go for a drive later on with his assistant and who's a side piece or something. I don't remember if they mentioned if he's married or not. Um, and then they get pissy with someone when they're leaving a garage. Turns out to be that other client of hers who then impulsively just decides to go after them rather than his original plan or scam they had planned with his girlfriend or whatever. And we, we see how screwed up a dude he turns out to be because he basically murders the judge and his assistant. And it's like, okay, that's a whole lot of coincidence going on. And then, even more coincidentally, this mega important and extra secret little black book that should really be kept in a safe somewhere or somewhere <laughs> just happens to be on his person with him. And Clement, of course, finds it. Now, look, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that because it's being presented with such um, uh, vibrant characters, shall we say. And especially when you got the, as the spine of your series, the infinitely likable Timothy Oliphant and the just as likable character Raylan Givens, whatever. But for me, it's like once you lay it out, you, you can't help but notice the number of moments, like I said, of chance and coincidence. That everything has to go just right for this all to come together as an overall tale. And I know you can say that about a lot of things. You can say that about, you know, you know certain Coen Brothers movies for that matter, you know, like the original Fargo and stuff. But I, I just guess because it, it just felt. When I, I became aware of it as I'm watching it. I kept thinking, eh, it feels like there's just one too many things that 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 have, that have to happen for that to work. It's almost like a Rube Goldberg kind of contraption where it's like you know everything has to hit each other just right. And I feel again, hearkening back to my own you know you know want to be writer status, whatever. I, I feel if I was doing that, I was like, can I really get away with this? Isn't someone going to question this? Is like, isn't this a bit much? It works. So I again, I'm not against it, but. I can't ignore it either, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I have that thought, but but it it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really distract me because I, I think if you if you flip your uh, your theory or, or your view on it, if you flip it, the the reason for him to stay 
is those coincidences are why he then has to stay in Detroit, that he does go testify in front of that judge. And he does meet the lawyer in that courtroom. And so, you know, that's sort of the reason the local head of the marshal service sort of says, like, you need to you need to stay here. And so, I mean, without that, otherwise, he'd just be on the road out of town. But I, I, I do get it. And, you know, I have a couple of minor things that that I think about we'll talk about later, but they're not they're not major. Right. Um uh, but 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 I will say I want to go. I do want to mention one thing that I like, and and you know we talked about how this is sort of its own thing. The first thing I was curious about was like, what would the theme song be? <laughs> and and you know we always talk about the music here, uh, and like they came up with their own theme song, like they didn't go back and use the justified theme song they they came up with you know just a nice little you know sort of track to give this its own music which for me set the tone early on that this that even before i got through the four episodes i had an idea uh, that in addition to the title you know being you know what it was with a colon instead of just justified you know the next season that this was going to be something different and and i appreciated that that was signaled right away. And then it has definitely become something different uh, in a way that I've enjoyed. I have to be honest. I cannot remember what the music is for the series. I don't know if, I don't know if that means I've been skipping the open. I don't think I would skip. I don't think I ever skip. I never, I I rarely ever skip opening. It doesn't have lyrics. It's just like a, it's instrumental. It's like, it's like a, it's like a sort of bass drum. Okay. uh, All right. Interesting. They didn't go for a Motown kind of a thing. Speaking of which, just to, just to, to put a, a period or a bow or whatever weird thing or punctuation at what, what I was saying before, if all this was happening in a small town like Harlan, then I wouldn't question the level of coincidence. But it's Detroit. It's a big city. <laughs> But it, but it's, but it's, but they're treating it like it's a small town, and maybe that's kind of the charm of the whole series. The series because you you brought in the marshals, who's kind of you know, doesn't matter, you know, Kentucky, but it, you know, it's Harlan, you know, so he has that kind of that small town kind of feel to him. So, um, but it's a nice connection because yeah. there's a real connection between the people of Kentucky and Detroit. Um, oh, I didn't know that. A okay. lot of people left Kentucky and went to work in the car factories in in Detroit. So, uh, I mean, it's back in the day. It's it, it, there is a connection between this area and Detroit between Kentucky and, and people would drive us 23 North. Um, this is why we need people like you on the podcast because, you know, non-driver like me wouldn't know. No, I, <laughs> Again, I was reading that script. I was realizing I was referencing roads. Like, how the hell, how the fuck do I even know this? Like, oh yeah, Google. <laughs> so, um, one thing I'll say about the series going into it, and especially after the first couple up when I watched the first couple episodes, um, it's the cast. I'm really digging the cast. It features a number of performers that we know from other things, but before it. One should even bother mentioning them. I think one should first point out that you've got someone making their acting debut in this series. 
debut, I say. You look them up at IMDb, they've done nothing else. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they appeared in a little, you know, school production. It's Timothy Oliphant's daughter, Vivian, mm-hmm. who's playing his daughter, Willa. It's her first, it's her first gig. <laughs> like, how'd you get, oh, I see. <laughs> it helps when your dad's like an executive producer. And, and the star. And the right. star. But uh, it's, it's one of those things where I didn't know that until after the fact. And it kind of made me smile thinking about certain scenes between them and the way she spoke to him. Was like going, I wonder if she gets away with talking this way to her dad, her dad in real life, as much as she does in this character. I re- I kind of want to see some behind the scenes. That, I mean, I'm sure it already exists. If I looked it up online, I'm sure I could find it. But I'd like to see some conversation with the two of them talking about that because I there, there there's always something charming about. When the the progeny of either one actor or an acting couple, and you see them interacting with each other, and they t- you know, like it's like those Ke- it's like those commercials with Kevin Bacon and his daughter, and I realized, oh, she was like in a season of Narcos. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even connect that that's her. That that wait, that's Kevin Bacon's daughter. Even though when you see her, I mean, she looks a lot like her mom. You yeah. know, you know, but you can you can see both of them there, but you can kind of see how she looks like her mom as well. And I used to love the clothes, so that's why I mentioned that. Um, although, look, I don't mention oh, Kira Sedgwick, right? That's her name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I I find it really incredibly charming that they that they did cast his daughter to play his daughter. And as far as the rest of the cast, look, I I believe you and I were even talking this not that long ago about Boyd Holbrook um, again. He's, you know, Narco, Sandman, Indiana Jones, whatever. Now he's in this, whatever. But then I'm looking at the cast like, hey, look, there's Adelaide Clemens. Remember her from Rectify, you know, the show that, you know, you know, but you, me, Dan, and like three other people watched. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, has 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 the, the, the lead, the, the main actor from Rectify, has he done anything since Rectify? Have we seen him in anything? And he was so good. Well, so I mean, I, I think he was good. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe he was maybe too understated for his own good. So again, and you got. Um, I, I hope she's in it more in the in the second half of the season. Uh, Marin Ireland, I actually love her from Sneaky Pete. And oh, by the way, the guy who plays the cop, Victor Williams. Um, although I will confess, the first thing I thought of when I saw him, like, oh, the the friend from King of Queens. <laughs> but he was also on a lot of like I think eight or nine episodes of. Um, Sneaky Pete as well. I think he was working for when Brian Cranston was on the show. I think he was like one of his right hand men or something like that. And then you got like Norbert Leo Butts. I remember him from uh, the Netflix series Bloodline, which I think we did a podcast about or half a podcast. I don't know if I did with you or maybe it might have been Jason Jones back in the day. I don't remember my memory. You know, it's not what it used to be. I, I, but I do like when you take these characters from shows, and I'm looking at shows like like a Bloodline. Excuse me, performers, not the characters, but people who 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 made who made their bones on shows like Rectify and Bloodline and Sneaky Pete. They all feel like they could be part of the Justified universe. Oh yeah, they all have that kind sure. of feel to it. So I, I that's why I think it's like, oh, I really like the way they went about casting here. And then you know, and then you add to the mix. You also got Von D. Curtis Hall. She, I mean, he's a longtime TV veteran of a lot of things. You know. 
I'm sure David Gott was going like, oh my God, the guy from Daredevil, you know, because he's the one more, don't go that way, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, then he probably came in his own eyes after that. Um, but, you know, I actually remember him from, he was in over 100 episodes of Chicago Hope because uh, I think, was it me and my friend? It was just me, the joke that we would make. Like, we, we made a bet. We had a, we were like back on ER and Chicago Hope both came on. It's like, well, we got to watch one of these, but I don't want to watch both of them. I'm going to go with Chicago Hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some people might say, eh, maybe you should have over ER. Like, but we got Manny Patinkin. <laughs> we had Adam Arkin. Anyway. And then uh, finally you also have, uh, I think I think it's pronounced, I'm going to go with, uh, it looks like it's pronounced Anjali. So I'm going to say Anjali. Uh, Anjali Ellis, she plays the lawyer, Carolyn Wilder. Um, I think some folks might remember her from the, the Lovecraft County series, which could be the supernatural, uh, you know, dimension of the, of the Raylan Gibbons universe. <laughs> but, you know, and others, I mean, she's another one of those folks who's been around for a while and she's made, you know, multiple appearances on a lot of network shows like The Mentalist and Quantico. And I think she was on True Blood also, which, you know, I'm trying to forget ever took place. And I also know in the second half of the season, there's some fun people coming up. You saw the ad for the next episode, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's Mr. David Cross is going to be showing up in the next episode. So, you know, I'm going to be, I'm told about that. You know, like if I can't get my Odenkirk, then give me my cross. <laughs> but the, I, the thing I liked about Justified that they did with this, um, and this sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it's really not. Like, um, you know, Walton Goggins. Oh. It is not. It, I mean, it's not like he's an unattractive guy, but he's not like the most handsome dude in the world. Um, they they have they've always cast people that realistically could play the parts. Um, and you know, Adelaide Clements is is a. I mean, you know, she's a, a pretty woman, and and but you know, they didn't get like stone cold stunners and it's almost like you have the two most charismatic people be the good guy and the bad guy and everybody else, everybody else you really could see being the person they are in that world. Like the casting, the casting lacks um, the typical over the topness that, that shows can have. And um, you know, there's a lived in quality to those actors that really plays well in this in, in, you know, and plays in the idea of, you know, sort of Detroit as a backdrop Detroit, you know, it's not a small city, but it's not a big, big city. And it's a very, you know, um, compressed, compacted, contracting big city with a lot of issues. Um, and they don't hide that, you know, you see lots of, uh, uh, you know, rundown buildings. Uh, they they really use the backdrop of of the city and the characters. I think fit well in the world, and so I, I really like the casting that that they did on this. And it's funny, you know, before this show started, you and I had talked maybe I don't know a couple of months ago about how Boyd Holbrook was so, sort of everywhere now, and right. it's like, you know, I. I I really like him and I hope he's not like 
you know, now going to be the bad guy and everything. It, it, it's weird because the first thing, I mean, again, I have, I don't have his IMDb page in front of me, so he might've done, you know, 20 other things before Narcos and probably, I'm sure he did uh, several other things, but he's definitely the good guy in that. Yeah. But everything he's, he's become of note that he's been, that, we, that at least we're aware of that he's been doing, right. like, like it's villain, villain, villain. It's right. Like, okay. He's going down that way. Now what I'm hoping it means for him, and we say this about all, I, in my opinion, all the best actors, you know, either you're just doing, you know, episodic television or major motion pictures, it's the actors who, and when I say, oh, by the way, whenever I say actor, I mean either male or female, I'm not, refer- or, or, or other, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, cause that's why I use the word performer a lot, just to avoid the whole actor, actress confusion, whatever. Anyway. So I just so it's a little quirk of mine, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just figured I'd actually point it out for the first time ever. Um, but the best ones are the ones who can, kind of, I feel almost seamlessly can, you know, they could be a good guy in this and a bad guy in that, whatever. Right. And then think about like the, the, the biggest people of all. I mean, you know, it, it's maybe it's hard to see, Tom, I, granted, it's hard to see like say Tom Hanks playing a villain in something. So I don't, maybe, you know, so there's always going to be those type of exceptions, but. But Nicholson can play, what could always play either a bad guy or a good guy. De Niro and Pacino could certainly could go seamlessly back and forth. And, and you don't, and you don't blink an eye at it. Or someone as great as Daniel Day Lewis, you know, he's played a lot of really, you know, you know, monsters, you know, his character in like There Will Be Blood or even Gangs in New York. But then, you know, good lord, my left foot. <laughs> Or, or some, or a few other things he did back in the nineties, whatever, which are amazing. You know, in the name of the Father. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, I, and I and I hope it bodes well for him because he he certainly is uh, he certainly is a talented actor and has charisma to burn. And uh, I hope it bodes well for him. Ha ha. Ha ha. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> so because, oh, just uh, just because I, I, you know, I went through the trouble of typing the name, so I'm going to make sure I mention him. Uh, Luis Guzman's also going to show up in an episode, and uh, that should be fun. And I, I had a point for some reason because I always get a kick out of whenever he shows up in something. Um, and I hope I pronounce his name correctly. Um, David Ketchner is also going to show up, and I'm always like, wasn't he like on a couple seasons of Saturday Night Live, and we've all kind of forgotten that way back? In the um, day? He was uh, he. I think if it's the guy I'm thinking of, I think that's Todd Packer from The Office. Yes, yes David Keckner. And I think yes, it's it Keckner, but I, I don't know for sure. It, it strangely enough, like last summer, he was at a like fan thing near the house. And I tried to get Quentin to go to it and Quentin wouldn't go my son. And, uh, and shortly after that, I think he got like his second or third DUI, which, uh, <laughs> kind of cracked me up because, you know, the joke, one of the jokes in the office was he had to be driven around because he got a DUI. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. And, and also, you know, also played a part on, on, uh, what's the other show I'm thinking of? Well, I just blanked it, but, uh, yeah, he was definitely Todd Packer and he, he's, he's, a he's got comedic chops. I'd be oh, yeah, he's, he's on, he I mean, he's basically a comedic actor. Um, I think he's in like in the, he's, doesn't he show up in like one of the Anchorman movies and. Oh yeah. He's in, a, he's been in a lot of things and I always get a kick out of him. So I was like, when I was like, oh, okay, that's gonna Whatever it is, that's going to be a funny scene yeah. <laughs> or, or a number of scenes. And that's, that's. 
that's what I look forward to. Especially on a show which, you know, obviously it's a drama. It's a crime drama and whatever. But it's a, but it definitely has a sense of humor. It doesn't necessarily take itself too, too seriously. And a lot of it is rolled off the fact that, you know, the, the charm of the lead. And they kind of also tend to invest that into a number of the other characters on the series, um, based on, you know, what they did on the old Justified show, because, I mean, as much as we liked Raylan Givens, I might have liked his boss more half the time. <laughs> as an actor, I always got a big kick out of. Um, and they always pretty, they always did a great job of, and, and maybe you can say that's what they're doing with, with Boyd Holbrook's character is, okay, they, they really have fun with whoever the villain's going to be. If you think about all the bad, you know, the quote unquote bad guys and, or gals and then so on from Justified. They're all pretty cool, or pretty funny, or pretty good. You know, we either, I mean, obviously Walton Goggins is Boyd, and, and then his dad in that first was it Clancy Brown in, in the first season. Who's who, but was was it Clancy Brown or was it the guy from Lost? I forget. It's been so long. I don't remember. You know what? I'm going to say it's Clancy Brown because he's a better actor than the guy from Lost. So I'm going to hope, hope I'm right on that one. Someone, someone will look it up while while I'm talking or something, or I'll look it up while someone else is talking. Uh, then you have Margot Martindale and the people who played his, her kids, who both showed. Oh, both all the Lost friends are like, oh, we know both of them. Um, <laughs> Uh, but even later on what's his name even even though the plastic surgery did a did a number on his face so i don't know and i don't know why he did that to himself but duffy (laughs) that's a great great character oh yeah and and duffy duffy played for laughs sometimes oh absolutely and i was like that's the guy from dear it's the guy from dear john Mm -hmm. but but some but did he get stung by bees? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I, I don't. Why, why, was he best friends with Joan Rivers? I don't. I don't get it. So the thing about as we're watching these four episodes, as I've watched these four episodes, and much like the original series, it's you know the story tends to be, and, and more so on this actually, so far at least. It's a fairly simple story. They they throw little convolutions in there, but they're really not that complicated. It's like, all right, that's that's I get it. It's, it's it's fairly simple, you know. And there's a certain formula to it, which is fine. It's a formula that the shows that the original Justified series had all along. But it's one of those you even if you know where it's gonna go, and I think for the most part we're gonna know where everything's going. There'll be the occasional little, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll veer left instead of right and pick, oh, okay, that's interesting. But I don't mind it because you know how you describe the performers and their performances? It's like it's, it's got that comfort of, of the lived in feel. That's what the show is really excelling at. It's like, okay, there's a certain comfort I'm having with this. It's like, oh, okay, we're back. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's Raylan Givens again and we know how this is going to go and, you know, and it's like, like, like the, the the moment you know, what's his name is going to his hotel is like okay I know it's gonna happen he's gonna come and find him, him with his daughter and he's gonna, then he's gonna be all kind of funny and polite with him he's gonna go outside and he's gonna beat the crap out of him and then the dude's gonna go to his lawyer and try to you know try to and where they veered a little bit like she kind of saw it for what it was so she didn't really make it a, a federal case no pun intended with him 
but he tried to do that at least. I was like, okay, I, I see where they're going with this. I, I like that they're. She's actually one of the wild cards of the show, the lawyer. She is, but I, I that there's some shifts in this compared to the original Justified that that I've found compelling. And if you watch Justified, everybody else was trying to get Raylan Givens to chill out. Mm-hmm. And in this show, he's trying to get everybody else to chill out. He's become the older, wiser guy, and he's always trying to tell, you know, the Detroit guys, cops, like, chill. Like, you, you right. know, like the sort of this one of the first scenes that pops in my head, sort of played for comedy, was the guy they get to come out of the basement, and the guy hits the door and knocks him out, and Raylan's trying to talk him out that, um, you know, whenever that guy, uh, the the main Detroit detective, and I forget the detective's name, um, but whenever he's doing something, Raylan's the one trying to sort of tap the brakes. Um, even to the point, you know, towards the end of the run where, you know, there's a possibility they can just get out of the way and let the Albanians handle it. Uh-huh. And Raylan's like, that's not what we do. Like... You know, he needs to be prosecuted. We need to to do our job. Um, so, I, I mean, there's there is a, a definite tonal shift of Raylan sort of being older and wiser in this. That's that's done subtly. It's not over. Uh, he's still Raylan Givens. There's no doubt of who he is. But he's now not the one art chilling out to stop to stop doing things. And he only loses his cool that that time with his daughter. And uh, and in that scene, it flashed me back. It reminded me, you know, that was a very Seth Bullock moment of like beating a guy, you know, that (laughs) furiously. Um, And uh, but but I like what what the show has done is sort of take justified and not change its DNA, but tinker around the edges with things. And I really like that. Um, the cop you're trying to think of, it's kind of funny because the actor's name is Norbert Leo Butts and the character's name is Norbert. They really? They basically just gave him his first name. Again, <laughs> like The Office, like Phyllis is Phyllis. And, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that until I looked it up. I, I love all, I love that. How, how long have we been doing this damn podcast now? 10 years now? <laughs> Whatever. And the, there's always that habit of, I'm going to look something up on IMDb and so you hear the, uh, you know, Kind of tapping because yeah. I because like Scott doesn't like to mute his microphone. <laughs> it didn't occur to me to say, "Hey, you know what? I can just look up IMDb on my phone, and no one will actually hear it." It took it took three hundred eighty seven podcasts for me to figure that out. Um, what's funny? Wait, to, to going along with what you said, uh, and this doesn't contra- I don't think this contradicts it, but it is an interesting thing that they did here. Um, because it's funny, because obviously Justified ended in 2016. And so that's, what, seven years ago, right? But in some ways, because I, there, was so, there was so much about, in my opinion, and, I, I don't, and again, I, don't, I certainly don't mean this as a negative, but there was something very um, almost old-fashioned about Justified. Like, if it had been a somewhat maybe slightly, maybe not even, I shouldn't say lesser because there were great shows on back then, but I could see just a show like Justified taking place or being done, you know, maybe without 
some certain bits of language perhaps or whatever but uh, but overall you know at the same time that the rockford files was on you know and plus i'd I'd also would love to have a universe or comic book done where raylan Givens meets jim rockford i think that would be amazing Um, think about that for a while james garner meeting you know timothy so what's your what's your envisioning is a better version of matt houston Oh, a much better. Matthew, <laughs> Matt Houston was a shitty version of Magnum PI. So. Yeah. Um, but I watched them all because they all had really cool cars. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, I even fucking watched Hardcastle and McCormick because of that damn car. <laughs> or Riptide because of that damn car. That's a stupid boat. Wow, Riptide. Did I just say it? Perry King. Um, and that, that Italian looking guy. Um, anyway, <laughs> wow. Kind of derailed what I wanted to say there. Um, no, 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 no. What was I, I saying? Three, I threw you the Matt Houston curveball. And, and, yeah, you think you put because now I'm going to start spinning out other shows from there. Yeah. <laughs> <I haven't> even... <laughs> That's my bad. My bad, listeners. There's another show that was like Matt Houston, but the... <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was right now. It's bothering me that I can't remember what it was. Um,. Well, I think I, I don't know if you said this what name. What was the point that I was going to say? But I, I want to throw this out. Like, oh, I the, just remembered. Okay, no, go okay. on. I'll let, no, I'll let, you're, you're, you started something. Go no, on. I was going to say I, one thing I did like is we got a deliciously, deliciously wicked turn from Keith David. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I, who I, who I oddly, I oddly didn't mention <laughs> when I talked about other people in the cast, and you'd think. There are some reasons where Keith David should have been the first person I mentioned because he's sometimes I forget just how far back Keith David goes. Oh my God. I mean, dude's one of the two people left at the end of the thing, <laughs> you know? And there's still like, which one of them is, is actually the alien? And right. one of those things where I didn't really think about it at the time. And now, and then I, someone, then I read something where like, oh, back and you'll notice there's no cold air coming out of so and so's mouth. Like, oh shit. Wow. Anyway, yes, Keith David. <laughs> it's funny because we, we've seen him play these kind of, you know, maybe even if slightly cantankerous, but over the last 15, 20 years, he, he still play, tends to play kind of a, a positive dude. We, you know, either we go all the way back to something about Mary or even when he was in that one season of Community and whatever. Elroy Potashnik. But in this one, <laughs> I like that we don't realize it. <laughs> And then the more time we spend on like, oh, he's um he's a little bit of a scumbag, this one. He's, he's pretty corrupt. <laughs> yeah, he's got a whole buck of it. It's amazing. Yeah, he's pretty corrupt. He, he, he should he should have he should have shown up on your honor with uh, Cranston. Like, you know, no, no, this is how you be a bad judge, dude. Um No, the thing I was gonna bring up. Okay, now I know. Now I got it. All right. There was a reason why I was going where I was going with it. I was talking about Justified in many ways feels like um, it could have been conceived of or t- t- taking place in the 70s right? or as opposed to 2000, whatever. I'm going to sneeze. Why I'm bringing that up, what I thought was a very interesting choice because it's kind of not just holding a character um, accountable, maybe a series accountable to a certain degree. It's Raylan Givens on the stand and how the things he did, which we kind of take for granted as being kind of just amusing and charming and, you know, whatever, 
but when they're put in the cold light of day and you actually just say what you did, oh, you know, that doesn't come off really good. And it becomes one of those things where you, and I'm, I'm talking about with the, when the lawyer kind of, <laughs> kind of makes mince meat of him on the stand about how he did a number of things which might not have been the best things to do when you have a, you know, when you have someone in custody and, and so on and so forth, whatever. I'm not going to recount it all because you all watched the show. You know what he did. But then you cast the light of, well, it's also a white cop doing this. And, you know, you've got this dude's black. Although, weren't there two of them and the other guy was white? But we're going to pretend that. Anyway. Um, but it does make you think back to the original series. And it's like, you know, I wonder if there were any number of other instances on that series that might have fallen under this umbrella, which maybe make Raylan. I mean, he's not Vic Mackey, you know, another great FX show. But he's not—he's not Andy Taylor either, <laughs> right? Right. No, I mean, there is a an accounting right at the very beginning of the show that policing itself has changed since right. just since Justified ended. Yeah, and, and it's also—it's just—it's acknowledging that, and that's so. That's why that's why I find the stuff with the lawyer to be very interesting, and. And the the implication of whatever kind of relationship there is between her and Gibbons, and, and what the ads seem to are implying for the next episode, although I don't know if that's what's happening or not, they may be fucking with us, or she might be fucking with him. Maybe he passes out, or maybe, or maybe they did it. I don't know. I'm curious either way because I'm kind of I'm all for it either way. If she's just fucking with them, I think that's funny. And if they did it, good for you because. Like you were saying before about not casting people who are necessarily whatever. I mean, they didn't go and get Sandy Newton, right, to play this part. If you if you if you know her, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, she's she's built a certain way, which is not the typical. If would not be the typical person you would have seen hooking up with Raylan Givens. She's built like a real person. Yeah, I so I I kind of hope that is where they went because I'm like, all right. He's looking good with the gray hair and everything. It's making me reconsider my masculinity now. Anyway, so, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, like there is something about that dude, man. Yeah. Like he, he's just, he's a striking figure. Uh, and, and that hat, I think it's so funny that they even, oh, you know, hat, have yeah. built in the joke into the show <laughs> of, of the hat. And the, and the, but the one Albanian guy recognizes it and says something like, you know, Stetson did he like, you know, I, I, it, it's it's those little self-aware moments. You know, what bugs me about the hat. Great, bugs me about the hat. His hair never looks messed up when he takes the hat off. His hair always looks perfect. His hair. Sh- it, 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 I don't know. There are some people they, like that. They, man. They need, see, they need to have him. See now. See, see, see Hollywood here. Here, dear Hollywood. All right, you like you like putting your elephant and your your, your Western hero hat types. We, we get it. <laughs> Apparently that's all he does now. I know he does other things, but that's the things that stand out to us, you know. Like, oh, I'm surprised he never stats in ways in the fucking Mandalorian. All right, but we know he does that, and we know he's got great hair. Well, there's a guy that I might be talking about on a certain other, totally different show later, who also knows a little something about being in westerns, and also has really amazing fucking hair, and also has that kind of personality, whatever. It's like, it's like. Could you please put those two in a show together? A movie, <laughs> Netflix, someone? Because I kind of want to see it. Maybe they could be opposed to each other. 
let one of them play a bad guy. I'm all for I Timothy Oliphant could play a bad guy, I think. He might, you know, he could he could just he could play a more dark version of his character from Go, by the way, Go. One of the most underrated movies that no one remembers from the nineties, but it's a great movie, ninety nine. Go see it if you haven't seen it. Um, you know what I'm talking about. You know? Yeah, I do. I don't want to give away because I don't want to give away what we're gonna talk about later. But you know, but think of what think of what you do when you want to get on a horse. <laughs> 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 or 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 a large uh, anyway. Wow, gonna get myself in trouble there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but one of the things they look out into, and, and why I brought up the casting, and it's one of the things that I think was always a big thing on the original series as well. The best part about when you really do well with the casting is you look into chemistry. And I think they've done a nice job chemistry-wise once again. I mean, he's not specifically partnered with anybody, but he's working in conjunction with people. But it's still... Even, even like, the, the relationship between, like, say... Um, uh, oh, I'm going to forget the characters' names. I'll just use the actors' names, because I know the actors' names. Uh, Boyd Holbrook and Adelaide Clemens. There's definitely kind of an interesting little chemistry there, too. Mm-hmm. I also like. Also, by the way, since I only know, I mainly know her from Rectify, even though I realized it was another series I also saw her on. I'm just I'm just I'm doing a I'm having a brain freeze. And I can't remember what it is, but I like that she's very she's like the opposite of her character on Rectify. Like, oh yeah, her character on Rectify would be horrified by this woman. Um, by the way, and and every time they kept mentioning the Albanians, in my mind. Because it's an FX thing, I kept I kept converting Albanians to Armenians, and I kept going <laughs> to the Shield again. I was like Albanians, Armenians. Like, <laughs> I think in my DNA thing, I think I might be part Albanian. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I am. I, that's a, that's a percentage of my DNA thing. Because I was singing the the song from Cheers about Albania. So that's fine. it would be interesting if they continue to do this. That somehow the main bad guy was either named Boyd as the character or the actor's name was Boyd. <laughs> oh, speaking of other people, um, Oh, I'm, I wonder if it's a, I didn't, I didn't write it down, but I, when they, and one of the episodes when he goes to visit and he meets the head of, we'll say he's the head of the Albanian mob. I don't know if they're yeah. a mob or not. Um, and it's in a, I like that. It's funny that it's in a, uh, an, an, an old age home kind of a thing situation. It's like, oh, we're, we're kind of where, 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 where Uncle Tia was from, uh, Hector was from, uh, Breaking Bad and, uh, Better Call Saul. Um, the actor, I think, is it, is that Terry Kinney? Is that who it I'm is? It sure was. Who yep. I remember from things like Oz and whatever. Yep. And I'm going, oh, Terry Kinney's doing an accent? <laughs> Yeah, it was Terry Kenny. Sure was. <laughs> there is someone who's like, I know. If I went back and watched uh, watched Oz back, and they're like, "Oh, one day this guy's gonna play, gonna play an Albanian thug with a really thick accent." Like, no, mm-hmm. he it might be one of his uh, prisoners, but won't be. Okay, I thought it was him. Okay, c- cool. Yep, interesting. Interesting little bit of casting there. So, I mean, I'm enjoying what we're seeing so far. It's you know, I, I like a certain level of escalation. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I need, I need the Albanian threat to be bigger than it already has been. 
and hopefully that will continue. I, I, you know, I, I think that, that, that poor girl lost at least one tooth there, it looked like. So that's, and I, I like that she, I like that she, was it, was it Vietnamese that she kept uh, yelling at them? I wasn't sure what language. I, I don't know if it was Chinese or not. I couldn't be sure. I don't know, but I like that right up until they pulled her a tooth, she didn't give two craps about nothing. Oh, yeah. Until, <laughs> until it was a little late. And, and, and you know, talk, talking about, you know, funny lines, I think one of the funniest lines, like I have an Albanian uh, tooth removal. She says, what makes it Albanian? He says, I'm holding it. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. Right. <laughs> I like that. That is that good. Line. That was good. That was good. Um. I mean, it's I mean, it, it's kind of amusing that it, my impression is that where Raylan, the people that Raylan works with in Miami aren't necessarily always very thrilled with him, so they don't really... <laughs> and he's maybe not make... I don't know how great an impression he's made on the Detroit people either. You know, I think, but it's Raylan Givens. What, what, what more do you want? I mean... <laughs> You've you've got a you got the delivery guy from King of Queens as your main cop. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's been kind of an it, it's been fairly enjoyable. It's it's one of those things where it it, it feel it's almost it's, there's a little frustration factor, but I, I, it's a fun frustration factor. It's like going, wait, this guy's going to keep getting away with shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the fun of it, I guess. I love. There's a nice shot where they're just cruising by, and he kind of, you know, <laughs> just kind of like point does the the finger point or gun gun shoot point thing, like he's Paul Newman in a race car or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think the thing I like about Justified, and we we lived with it for seasons. I mean, you know, Boyd Crowder didn't really get his until the end, end. And, you know, he'd go to prison, but he'd get out and, and things would happen. And you'd know that that was going to happen. Um, but the thing that, that I like about this show, there is a comfort in that, that plot wise, you have a sense of what's happening. Uh, the story is simple. Yeah. But what this show does is, is you know what the plot's going to be but you don't always know what the characters are going to do and where they're going to end up, like what team they're going to be on. Right. Right. Um, okay. You know, like, uh, like I, I really like that sweetie and the lawyer have a relationship where he confides in her and talks to her and yes, she's his lawyer, but she seems to care for him more than just being his lawyer. Right. Like there's an affection there. And, you know, he sort of has this power that we don't know. We don't know if he'll come back to it because he's got that ace in the hole or if he's going to follow this thing to use the book and get paid. And so we know what the story's going to be. And he has possible outcomes along that path. Um, you know, no one justified. He'll probably make the wrong choice. Um but he might not. But but the story's not complicated. It's what the characters' reactions are in this world uh, to it, you know. And and even even like you know the scene where the Albanian fake boyfriend gets his leg in the in the the door, the panic room door. Right. Um. You know the Adelaide Clements character um is really upset by that, but like you know. Next thing you know, she's smoking pot and, you know, dealing with it. And, um, 
so you don't know how she's going to end up. Like it's probably going to be bad, but, but you don't know for sure. And there's a, there's comfort in the structure, but the characters are the wild card and not the plot. Like there, there's not too many O Henry moments in a, in a justified story. Um, the, the moments are, you know, who, who ends up on what side of, of jail and who ends up dead. Right. I don't remember the explanation behind the, the place where they're staying. Could you remember what the story is behind that? I, I don't know if it's like a guy that went out of town and, you know, and they broke in and they're staying there. Um, I got the sense it's maybe some high roller that she met at the, okay, that sounds, okay. at the casino. And like, so they're hanging out at his place okay. and, you know, and who knows, maybe he's even been murdered and they're just staying there because, because, uh, you know, Clement murdered him, but, um, it's, it's some sort of deal like that. So that's how they have access to that apartment. Right. Okay. I just, it was weird because when I was watching the last episode, I think it was the last episode then when Sweetie actually shows up at, at the place and he's okay. commenting on it and they make some reference. And I was realizing, wait a minute, I don't remember the story behind the place. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's said in one, in, when we first are in there and I think it is something like that. I mean, I guess if I want, I can go back and look for a scene and see it. I just figured, uh, you're good at remembering things cause I'm not. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, um, Sweetie's interesting because he he, he can kind of he, he feels like a character that can go either way, and but he's also maybe a character who has at least a, to a certain degree he has a code, and he also has a distrust of authority or the police, which isn't which doesn't help matters any I think, um, so yeah. Although it's also interesting that the lore for her, and she seems to be a fairly honest lawyer, but there is that lore that this could also help her get on the bench. Um, but I, I wonder about that because I don't think she'd want to do it in a way where it was, you know, she didn't earn it necessarily. But this, but then again, there's the system. So, yeah. There's a lot beyond the main character story thrust. There's some interesting side stories. I'm, I'm curious to see how they wrap up by the end of this, and you know what? Whether there's any, whether there's a body count as well, because someone's going to make a bad decision, which is going to lead down that road. Because even if it's never not necessarily the main bad guy, someone dies. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much more to say about it, but if you do, if there's anything else you wanted to bring up about it, now would be the time. Uh, I mean, like you, it's, it's strange that it, that it's not, it's not like watching the bear or something else where you think like, I don't know what's going to happen this episode. So I'm sort of, you know, excited about what comes next. It's just more like it, it's a good story and, and I enjoy it. And, I like seeing Raylan Givens and I've really quickly adjusted to the new cast of characters around him. So they've done a a really good job, I think of writing it and in placing it. And I have to say, I really enjoyed his daughter and I I look forward to them hopefully being reunited before the the series is over. It's, 
I, I, I don't always like the cliche of saying this, but it's, it's, it's to a certain degree, it's like comfort food. Um, well, well-made comfort food, not like fast food, because it is, you know, it is well-performed. I think it's well-written as well, um, as, as much as it needs to be. But it's like, ah, okay, I know, I know what I'm getting. It's, you know, there may be a few little twists or turns, but nothing too dramatic, you know, as opposed to something like the bear. Um, it's funny. Um, I, 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 um, I posted something on Facebook on, and I attached it to the thread for the original Bear podcast. Um, some fellow had posted something on Twitter or X or whatever they call it now. Um, and he was using the Bear as an example. He realized that this, that this week, if, if the Bear had aired as a weekly series, as opposed to, you know, all at once binge format, right now, they still would not have gotten up to like the, 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 the big ones, you know, episodes um, six and seven fishes and forks. Uh, yeah. Fishes and forks. Right. But we'd all be talking about it all this time. Right. Right. And, 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 and that would, so we, and we would still not even know about all the, all the crazy, all the crazy cameos unless we all looked up, if they were all listed on IMDb or not. Sometimes I keep that shit secret and then they put it all there the, the next day kind of thing. I've, I've seen that happen, whatever. And it, and it, what I liked about that and I brought it up and I, I'm bringing it up now and I posted it over because I'm one of those people who says, look, I, there are things I like about the binge model, and this and we've talked about this on the podcast before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but at the same time, there is something nice about the weekly thing because it, I think it helps to build an audience better for shows that want. It. And I always go back to a show I watched last year, and I brought it up somewhere um, in relation to this. You know, if. If, our, if the show on Netflix, Archive 81, was done as a weekly series, a weekly release thing, because it got a, got a little bit of a flash when it came out, and then all of a sudden, the following week, I think Ozark came out or something, and so Netflix just switched over to that, and it got forgotten about. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, it went away again. <laughs> oh, good to sneeze on the podcast. Very professional, Scott. Um... <laughs> But it, it's, I, I thought that was true because, again, not to take any, I, I think the bear has gotten quite a lot of publicity and recognition, but it's also kind of faded because it all happened already. Whereas it could have been a continuing thing. And I like the idea of when these shows and they come, they'll, they'll premiere with a couple new episodes and then they'll do weekly from that point on. I think that's kind of, you know, okay, you, you give me a little bit of like two or three right off the bat. And then we'll parcel it out, you know, build the anticipation. And I know some of our listeners are all about the binge model. I've seen them. I, I won't say anyone by name, but I've seen them complain about things online over the years and talk about it. And I'm always like, really? Are you really feel that way? Because if I'm not mistaken, you're part of you know, some of you. You're all part of the main group that loved Lost like no other show. And Lost would not have gotten even would not have gotten anywhere near what it did in terms of length of the series or popularity if it had been the binge model. There's no you wouldn't have spent a week theorizing and wondering and, and talking about it. You know your favorite the the podcast you all all you guys loved 
really wouldn't have been able to function as that kind of a podcast if it had been a binge. If that was, if that, if that had been a streaming service back in two thousand whatever year it was back then, ten or nine, four, whatever the hell year it was, uh, two thousand four, right? I mean, that's, I always, I always find it funny. It's the people who are the big fan of that show. There were people who complain most about shows not being a binge. I'm like, but your favorite show would not work if it was a binge model. It just, right. it wouldn't. I mean, I can point to other shows as well, but that's the one. It's like, yes, now you, it's good to binge because you've seen it already. <laughs> that's what I mean. Well, I think when I, when I think about there, there are shows that I totally think work as a binge, like, um, like my son would die if Stranger Things wasn't released at once. And even that was like, you know, I think at one point they may have done two parts, like part one and then wait two weeks for part two, which still gives some time to build a conversation yeah. about something. Um, but I think about like even even Justified having something to look forward to. But in particular, um, I really appreciate that, you know, Reservation Dogs did two episodes and is going to parcel them out right. because it's the final season. I don't want to binge that and it just be over. Right. You, you, you lose anticipation. You lose reflecting forward and wondering about it. And every single great series over the past let's just say last 10 years or 15 years however far back you want to go would suffer as a result if it had been reduced for all viewers to be the binge model yes we i get that people who come to it years later are watching it that way but that's different right that, that's that, that's fine that's whatever you know I, I, when I first watched Buffy, it had already been on for like five seasons or four, whatever. And so I watched all, I watched season after season, day after day, whatever. But I can't imagine watching Breaking Bad for the first time without being able to anticipate, especially the final season, wondering episode to episode. We all did Better Call Saul just a, you know, a year ago. That also would have been totally different. And so on and so forth. Every right. show, you know, every, every FX show that's great. Justified. The Americans would not have been the same if that had been a binge. Go back to the I'm, Shield, you know, all, the, all of them, you know. Or, or you know, the, the episode. I mean, I think about the WTF moments, like you know, the the like the bear, the the episodes, you know, six or six and seven. Yep, six and seven. Um, would it, like what would my mind have done if I'd have had to wait, and the next week? it goes in a totally different way. And, or, you know, the, the, the thing that comes to mind, and I don't know why this always pops in when I think of like WTF moments. Um, what if I just watched Teddy Perkins on Atlanta and then I immediately go to another Atlanta episode when like that ended and you're like, Oh my God, what the hell was that? Like, and then you think on it, you reflect on it, you talk about it. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I think it even contributes to this. Like the fact this is a limited series, we get some Raylan Givens, we get to savor it. We don't rush through it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, with with the bear, I mean, how cool would it have been, you know, Fishes comes out. And you know what happens? For a week, that's all people are talking about. Because because yep. people that that's and people find out about the show because of that and then they go back and they watch the the first whatever as opposed to 
some people watched it all that weekend. Some people watched it over the course of the week. You kept wondering, have you seen the episode? Have you seen the whatever? Right. You couldn't really talk about it. You were afraid of spoiling it, whatever. People did right. spoil things on, which was annoying. Like, no, that, oh, by the way, that's also how you avoid the, that, that, that's how you change the whole spoiling aspect of things because then no one gets to see it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, it just, because I, I was just segueing to, as we, you know, as we're getting close to wrapping things up, I just figured to talk a little bit about just TV in general. Um, I mean, because, you know, in, in the era of streaming and whatever, the, the, the days of the summer being a wasteland has been no more for a long time. Um, what's interesting for me this summer, the thing, probably the thing I'm enjoying the most so far, I gotta say, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, man. It is, and that's what I was referring to, obviously, earlier, Anson Mount. And I don't know. I don't know. They are playing up the hair so much; it's insane. But I said it. I think I. I think I might have said it on the best of uh, podcast. This for me, it's the best Star Trek series since Deep Space Nine, and it proves that you can do mostly self-contained episodes in the Trek universe again. You know, while you can still have character threads that connect it all together and that will uh, will have plots that kind of recur in different episodes. Um, they did that Lower Decks crossover. I thought that was magnificent. And I am someone... I cannot get into Lower Decks because I just... I, I hate the main character on that show, Beckett Mariner. Uh, fortunately, I found the live-action version of her far more tolerable. And she did have... I have to give her credit. She had the best damn gag in the entire episode. There's that moment when it's uh, her character and uh, Jack Quaid's character, whose character's name I'm suddenly drawing a blank on for some reason, uh, with uh, with Captain Pike. It's when they realize that he actually does know about his, uh, his the, the horrible future that's in store for him. But she kind of briefly silently mimes what Pike will eventually look like. Yeah. You know, you know, with the whole scarred face and the, being in the, the head in the box kind of thing. Yeah. I couldn't stop laughing because I actually, I, that was the one thing I actually rewound. Like, did she just do what I think she did? It's like, yeah, she did. That's okay. Whoever came up with that joke, they, they give them a raise. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of the funniest things I've seen on TV this season that wasn't on uh, an FX uh, comedy series. Um, they just, today, the, the day that we're recording this, they just released their musical episode, which I think was, uh, what was it titled? Uh, had Rhapsody in the title, um, not Starstruck Rhapsody. Doesn't matter. Um, I should, I should, I should look it up while I'm talking. I know some people were kind of worried about that. You know, they're like, "Oh no, a musical episode of a TV show." I hate it. Look, I if if done well, I I think musical episodes of shows are great, and I find that with with a few exceptions, you know, one of them being people I'm close friends with. Um, so this doesn't this doesn't apply to them, but I find that people. <laughs> who automatically go, oh, no, no, a musical episode. They're either nerdy pricks who have sticks up their asses or they're incel types. (laughs) That's right. I'm I'm breaking out the incel for this. There you go. Gauntlet (laughs) thrown. I I went there. Um, I watched it. I'm not going to say it was a perfect episode, but 
I, for the most part, I got a kick out of it. I enjoyed it. There was a few really well done emotional moments, uh, specifically with the land character. Land, um, really, I've I've grown to love that character in the second season more than I did in the first season for sure. But overall, it's it's just a well done show. I really like all of the different characters on it, which I couldn't necessarily say about the other recent Star Trek series. Um, like Discovery, I was, I was, it's not that I disliked characters, I was just fairly ambivalent about them, or they made no impression whatsoever. Like the people on the bridge of that, of that ship, for how many seasons I watch it, I, I right now couldn't tell you, like there's like two or three of them, I couldn't tell you what their names are. I, I, I'm like, oh, is she significant? I don't know. I, I don't know what her name is. She's got that thing on her face. So I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, whatever. This one, they're all very distinct characters. Yes, of course, it helps that a few of them, a handful of them are actually characters that we'll see in the original series. Um, I had to be reminded that um, the, the Doctor and Benga is also from the original series. Uh, my the, my an aforementioned uh, friend I, I muttered about it a few months ago. It's like, yeah, the episode where the guy keeps slapping Spock, that's him. It's like, oh, that's very interesting. I kind of want to go watch that episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. And my my take on it, I think when we talked about it sometime in the past, is I really saw potential uh, Vance and Mount and him. I mean, man, you talk about great casting. And, and I mean, we all liked him in Hell on Wheels and, and, and things he's done. But the way they've written him, the way they've developed him, and maybe even because we have, you know, sort of in the better call Saul way, we know wh- where his, his story ends. Um, to see his performance... Um, you know, if they keep on this path, I'm not sure he might not be the favorite captain of some people of any captain that that has ever been a captain in the Star Trek universe. Uh, I could see that. I could see that. I, I'm I'm curious where this will go because sometimes there's an implication that maybe something could change, but how much can they change? I, I don't know. And then, of course, the, one of the fun conceits about the show is we, you have to keep thinking about the fact that this takes place before the original series, and you know there are certain things they do have to be beholden to. And you know, it's funny that one can remember like you know a couple scenes in the original series between uh, Mister Spock and Nurse Chapel, and now <laughs> it seems like well. <laughs> Apparently there was a whole lot more to it than we ever realized. If we're going by what they're doing here, um, and then there's the and of course you've you've got a version of Kirk here, and you know, you know, congratulations to the actor for having you know the, the the worst shoes to have to try to fill because how do you pull off that part and not worry about being compared to Shatner? And right. I like the idea that. I think he has gone out of his way to avoid doing Shatner. Right. Because once you start that, you lapse into it. Then it's, I, when I was talking about this with my friends the other day, I don't know if this is going to make sense. It reminded me when I was like in my early twenties and I was trying to get work at an extra agency where you could get cast as extras and, and things. And all they want, you know, you you meet with someone, they talk to you for a little while, and then they'd want you to uh, 
they they give you a, a little thing to read to to act out to they see if you have like any remote acting talent with her. I guess I don't know. So they hand you the thing, it's a card, whatever, and you realize and you're looking at it and you realize, oh, it's the it's the famous speech um, from on the waterfront, Brando. You know, that, you know, I could have been a contender, could have been somebody, whatever. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, and I say to the person behind the desk, like. Does like every other person just try to do a Brando impression? Because how, how do you not? How do you? How, it's hard to read this and not lapse into Brando because that's how you know it. It's like, yeah, that's. But we want to see if that's what you're like. No, I, I know the one thing not to do is don't do Brando <laughs> because then, right. you know, I'm, I'm not trying to show you that I can be a mimic. I'm trying. So when you're doing a sh- when you're doing the Kirk, it's like you have to try not to talk like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> the whole thing. You know, it's it's funny you say that because I I've I have mentioned it several times as a friend of mine talking about you know there was that period of time and even still exists to some degree of Al Pacino after Sin of a Woman where he kind of got into that like you know sort of Al Pacino thing where like he was Al Pacino doing Al Pacino in a lot of movies and. Uh, the sort of thing that broke that up for me was, you know, he was kind of surprising playing Kevorkian um, when he played Kevorkian on the HBO movie. And I was like, great, like finally seeing him, you know, and look like he's one of our greatest actors. I'm not trying to crap on the guy, but 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 for a while, it seemed like he sort of found this like pattern that he kind of, you know, fell into and. You you don't want a character to be reduced to that, uh, and I I think the beauty of what Anson Mount's able to do is is Christopher Pike is a blank slate, yeah, um, and he's been able to build up what occurred before he became the bleep and bloop man in a box, um, you know, and and build this full character that makes what eventually we see happen that much more tragic because you know you know, how vital he was and how great a leader he was and how respected he was. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Strange New Worlds, It if that, I, I think it's the best Star Trek product that they come up with in a long time. And we've always said on this show, you and I both, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna hate a show because it takes chances. We, we like shows that take chances and i mean doing a lower decks doing a musical episode i mean look that's that's ballsy in this universe yeah. and and you know by and large you know they may not be home runs but they're not bunt singles either that you know they're uh they're pretty good attempts and 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 all of them contain something worth watching yeah, uh, and, and and you know, and there was major character progression in this episode, also. And as far as that kind of plot plotting goes, I mean, they actually um, they actually tied up a, a few things to a certain degree, especially the the the, the Kirk Lan situation uh, was resolved in this episode in a very um, emotional way. And I guess to a certain extent, the Spock uh, Chapel thing, at least for now, um, has, has moved to a different uh, place as well. Um, Trying to think of anything. I mean, there's been a few other things I've watched this summer. Um, you know, the comedies uh, have been solid. Obviously, what we do in the shadows is 
as great as it's ever been. And all it does is remind me how how did it not get a ton of Emmy nominations when it's actually funnier than everything else that's nominated. You know, no offense to things like you know things that we love like Barry and the Bear, but but the show that's actually fun, far funnier than both of them doesn't get nominated for comedy. Whatever. I mean, it's not like they, they, they're limited to, oh, wait, they, they, they have like 18,000 nominations and you couldn't fit. Uh, don't get me started with that. Let me, let, let, let me uh, uh, just for a moment recognize that I don't know that I've laughed harder at an episode of a comedy than Colin Robinson running for Comptroller. <laughs> and he's had and, a lot of great moments this season, man. Oh, like he, he's, he's now been, that he's back, he's back. He, the, the, the running for control thing was amazing. Him working at the, the waiter thing was hysterical. <laughs> but the hysterical. but the comfortable thing, plus also bringing back uh, Vanessa Bayer as the emotional vampire, and then going to the oh, and they have their own council with the yes. emotional. That was yes. amazing. <laughs> yes, and and like you know, I looked like even though they're bit parts, I looked like. You know, some of the people in the council are people you know, but you didn't recognize. Like, yeah, one of them was um, the the comedian, the, Hannibal the Barris. Yeah, the one, about to say the one who outed Cosby, essentially, yeah. or whatever. Which I was like, wow, that's didn't expect to see him as that character. And I'm sure at least one of the other ones was someone I just didn't know who it was. I could have looked her up and said, oh, she's you know, she's a host. But of the set podcast. design of that, like everything, I was la- like I, I that that was. Uh, I mean that that just killed me, and, and you oh, know. And then the episode when they when the doll and Naja switch. Oh yeah. And then Colin Robinson is on uh, the ending of that episode is a little like oh okay yeah this this, this, <laughs> show, this show just went off the rails in such a delightful way yeah, <laughs> and, yeah but I'm gonna be thinking I can't I can't get that image out of my head right now though I can't get it out of my head no it's it's been it's you know that's been brilliant. It's been great, and I think the uh, uh, we, we got another season out of the way. Out of uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which was also I don't know how they do it, but they still do it well. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I didn't expect it to end with a tour de force for uh, uh, Dennis, but which is pretty much what it was almost like a one man show for that for, for for the most part that episode. Um, and then I, I, I ended up going down a rabbit hole of watching a lot of Dennis-related clips off of YouTube. <laughs> and, this is, and I ended up I didn't watch... It's actually worse because I didn't watch the entire episode, but I think I watched about three quarters in the different pieces of the episode where he keeps referring to the implication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, I know I've seen this before, but God damn it, I can't... I mean, the pause, like, Gus, you know, the implication. Yeah. And then later when he's talking to Dinsey, and she's going to like, well, because, you know, the, the insinuation. And yeah. Like, oh, oh, they're, they're definitely brothers. They're both incredibly fucked up. <laughs> um, well, oh, what else? Oh, Harley Quinn just came back, and they, they, they dropped three episodes in its, when it first came back, and that's uh, another delight for either, either you're geeky or not. If you're geeky and you have a sense of humor, then it's a, it's a double festive fun, and I am really enjoying it immensely. Um, next week, um, Only Murders in the Building comes back. Although, apparently, now we're going to have Only Murders outside the building, because it's, as we saw at the end 
of season two. It's going to be on a, a Broadway stage somewhere. We've got Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep added to the cast, and I'm, I'm sure there's probably going to be a couple other people thrown in there. Will be like, oh, it's so and so, and yay, because they can, because it's Steve Martin, Martin Short. They could probably get anybody they want to show up because yep. they got Meryl Streep. <laughs> I don't know if you can get much bigger than Meryl Streep. You know, I, I'm going to say no. You know, unless they unless they figure out how to get Nicholson out of retirement, that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, and, and to get Meryl Streep to do television, much less. Did you see the scene? Well, she's done a few HBO things, but I know what you're saying. Did you see the scene in the? But I don't know if they're um, doing a read through. And they're making fun of the fact of how bad an actress the character that Meryl Streep is playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't, but that oh, sounds delightful. It's amazing. <laughs> Paul Rudd's reacting to how bad she is. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I don't think we'll be doing a podcast about it because I think it might be just a bit too meta to do a podcast about a show where they do a podcast. And then I'm going to be so aware of the fact that our podcast probably end up being three times as long <laughs> as, as the show. show. But look, once a week, they're doing once a week. You know, they, they're also not, not, not doing binge because you know what? Martin Short, Steve Martin, smart guys. Well, the only thing I'll add to what you're saying is I watched the first two episodes of Reservation Dogs. That yes. dropped. And um, it is a great continuation of where last season left off. And episode two was amazing and had a great, um, you know, very, very large featured guest appearance by Graham Greene. Yep. It was just phenomenal. And, uh, uh, you know, that that show manages to to incorporate uh, emotional spirituality in a way that I never find hokey or manipulative and always find compelling. And uh, I, I really, really liked ending episode two where it ended and looking forward to, to where this season goes. And uh, it's a show I'm really going to miss because I've really, really loved it. But but I, I thought it was off to a great start. I watched those at like three something in the morning. I actually watched them when they first dropped. Um, I happened to be awake. And um, I feel the same way, about the, especially about the second episode. I mean, I enjoyed the first episode, too. But um, the second episode, and part of me just wondered, like, how, how, how long is it going to take him to get back? Because that's kind of crazy. you know. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I echo your thoughts on it as well. Um, it's, such, it's a lovely show. It's a lovely show. Um, the, was it? Did they do? Was it just the first episode where they kept using the where, where the spirit guy kept knife man? <laughs> well, he was in he was in the second episode, but only with Bear, and you know, right? He's talking to me. He's saying, you know, trying, yeah, and then Bear tells him to leave, and until he doesn't want him to leave anymore. Right, 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 right. I, I remember. I was I, for a while. Then it's like I hope they're not going to do that for the entire season. I, I work for one episode. I don't want ten episodes of him being the as he you know comparing himself to like the Greek chorus, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I very much enjoyed it. I very much. I, I'm. I'm sorry that that show is not going to last much longer. Although 
that's always a risk when you're doing a show when your main characters are, are you know of a certain age because once you get to a certain point it's like okay especially because they're we didn't start with them being super young to begin with they're already at that precipice of you know you know late high school kind of a thing so they we are at the point where maybe they should be going there at least the main two like Laura and Bear they talk about in those episodes about them leaving eventually um well and they've already said you know like like even in the promo like Bear's on the precipice of becoming a man like right. you, you know like they they're on the edge of adulthood Oh, most touching moment was between uh, Cheese and I always forget her name. She's the best part of the show, and I can forget her name all the time. Willie Jack. Thank you. Um, on the bus together, which their little interaction that kind of made me get a little misty. But then again, I'm, I'm an easy touch. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad because again, it's it's in, it's in the FX or FX Hulu, whatever the hell that means. Uh, family of shows, you know. And again, all these shows. Weekly, bear all at once, but whatever. But you know what? If they hadn't done it that way, then they then we wouldn't have given you the great podcast that we gave you. So there you go. Exactly. And you know what? Check this out. Unexpected segue. If you enjoyed that podcast, hell, if you enjoyed this podcast, you know what else you might enjoy? Hanging out with us on Facebook. <laughs> Look us up. Serious TV drama podcast page. Like the page. You can join the conversation about all these shows. And so many more. You know, I don't, I'm not posting weekly threads for Justified because I'm lazy and I've got other things I'm dealing with. So, you know, find the old one. You can use that one. I mention it. It's, it, I don't see a need to keep doing it. You know, you know, some weird sycophantic like people might feel the need to post it every week on another page, but I don't feel the need to do it. And if you're super ambitious, uh, you'll have, you know, four weeks to, uh, give us feedback before we come back and wrap up Justified. Yes, right. Now, as far as our podcast is concerned, as I've said many times before, you can find us on most podcast platforms. But if you really did enjoy what you heard, you can go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there. You know, what, what, that, that's not a lot to ask because, you know, we're free. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, which I finally have updated with a million pictures over the last few weeks. So, you know, it's, it means pictures from the podcast, but still, um, we're there. Serious TV drama. You know, I know some of you aren't following us there because we don't got that many followers. Just saying. Anyway, and if you haven't abandoned whatever it's called now, Twitter X or <laughs> X Twitter, um, we're still there um, at STVD Podcast. STVD is in serious TV drama. Uh, I don't. Do I have to? Do I have to join Threads? Does that? No. Good. Thank you. Okay. You don't. Good. Okay. So, final business. Um, I personally should be recording the next Scott Forgot the 80s podcast with Jamie, frequent co-host here. Um, we'll probably be recording that, I was going to say next week, but I think it's going to be in two weeks. Um, so, the latest 80s movie that I haven't seen is Adventures in Babysitting. I'm so looking forward to it. Um and Brian, as you just mentioned, I believe we will be covering the second half of Justified City Primeval. Hopefully we'll, we'll do that probably within 24 hours or so of when the series ends. It ends on August 29th, so sometime around August 30th, 31st, we'll probably be doing that and I'll be putting it out. As for anything else, uh, doubtful. Anyway, 
<laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do some. I'll do another solo podcast about a movie no one cares about. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but but if you do, I mean. If you if you want to check out stuff about summer summer movies that maybe got unfairly swept under the rug or knocked or whatever, there's three in a row you can find: Indiana Jones, The Flash, and Mission Impossible. And the first and third ones are I actually saw all, all movies in the series are discussed, not just the latest one. The they're not bad lessons, they're not, and they're not too long either. So there, give them a chance. But if there's one chance I like, I always like having the chance to talk with Brian about TV. Another unexpected segue. Look at that. That's you're on fire. I know I'm on fire. <laughs> I, should, I should be fired, but, I, <laughs> but I'd have to have a job for that. <laughs> so if anyone knows any, has any jobs out there, anyway, Brian, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me once again. Well, it was a joy to talk about my Kentucky boy, Raylan Givens, and look forward to doing it again in four weeks. Yeah. So thank you, and thank you guys for listening. Now remember, if you're going to leave someone in a car when it's 96 degrees outside, you know, at least give them an orange freeze and crack the window. You hear? All right. Uh, <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good night.